Welcome to the Innovative Accountant Podcast, presented by Integrated Advisory by Wealthco. Join your host, CPA, Tim Coquell, as he explores thought-provoking ideas, information, and best practices from leading experts focused on supporting the accounting profession and the integrated advisory community. Here's your host, Tim Coquell. Welcome back to the Innovative Accountant Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Coquell, and we have a very special uh, and timely podcast for you today. Jamie Smith is joining us in Calgary, Alberta today and here to share her thoughts and experience on recruiting and retaining accountants today in a time of what has become known as the Great Resignation. Everyone is talking about the changing employment market during COVID, so I'm excited for Jamie to share her experience with her firm, Amplify Advisors, in helping CPA firms and businesses address their people issues. For those CPA firms looking to add CFO services, we'll also get a chance to hear from Jamie on best practices and learnings from building a successful CFO service practice here in Calgary. Welcome to our podcast, Jamie. Thanks for having me, Tim. Yeah, our, our real pleasure. Um, before I get started, Jamie, I thought I'd, I'd just share uh, with our listeners a little of your background, if that's okay. Perfect. Um, and, and man, you've done some some great things in your career. So obviously started your career off as a, a CA, CPA. You've done your MPAC, um, 20, year, you know, 20 years plus of accounting experience, worked with uh, organizations of all sizes, including Deloitte and PwC within many industries, including telecom, communications, technology, construction, airline, retail, energy, private equity, financial services, and, and, and many others. Uh, as a senior uh, financial professional, we've held many roles uh, as advisory senior manager, controller, accounting manager, audit senior manager, uh, skilled in business advisory, finance effectiveness, management, financial reporting, continuous improvement, and change management. A, a lot of amazing experience, Jamie, um, co-founder, most importantly, and chief experience officer of Amplify Advisors, uh, which focuses on financial strategy for a growing business. Um, at Amplify, we're going to talk a little bit about this through the podcast uh, for our listeners, but you know, you've got a number of services, including finance leaders, leadership, which involves fractional CFO, controller, uh, business coaching, outsourcing, accounting. Uh, you've got a consulting practice there where you're looking at, uh, you know, automation, business processes, NetSuite, ERP systems. Obviously, your recruiting uh, department, which we're going to spend most of our time talking about today, where you're providing permanent or temporary CPA support to uh, organizations. Uh, and then the tech side with your ERP system. So doing lots of really creative things as, uh, as what I consider to be an accounting firm, Um uh, you know, you've, you've also done a lot of things, Jamie, and giving back to your profession and the community uh, through your volunteer efforts, including chairing the Deloitte Calgary's Finance Leadership Forum. I understand that's a network of business leaders working in finance that get together regularly. Um, the nominations committee for CPA Alberta, you've been involved in that for a number of years. Uh, member of board of directors, treasurer and chair of the Audit Finance Committee and member of executive committee for the Calgary French and International School uh, you know, and the list goes on members of FEI, EO tech, uh, you know, great resource groups that, uh, help improve, uh, uh, your knowledge and your network. Uh, so uh, amazing things. Most, most importantly, Jamie, you know, Jamie's a wife, a mother of two boys and a dog. Uh, she loves reading craft beverages and wine, entertaining, uh, writing. And I, I love the comment, try not, you know, you're a, a try not so hard golfer. 
<laughs> and you're passionate about about that. Golf is a little tricky, so I get the I get the connection there. Um, but yeah, I mean, wow, Jamie, it's, it's, uh, you've had an incredible career so far and done a lot of different things. You've also been profiled in, you know, businesswoman media on how to cope as a working mom and seeing all the things that you do. I I'm astounded how you actually can manage all of that. So maybe we'll start there. How, how do you, how do you get all these things done in a day? Nice. I love it, Tim. So it makes me feel old when you list all those things in one <laughs> row. I, I don't know if I've heard people list it like that. <laughs> um, yes. I appreciate Impressive. that. Uh, so, yeah, so I'm a co-founder, chief experience officer of Amplify. So from a professional perspective, that's certainly my focus. And as of December, I gave up my CFO seat because I was lucky enough to have a successful succession plan and the controller took that job. So I'm not in client service or actually acting as an accountant anymore, which is a recent evolution as a business owner that I'm proud of and excited. And you asked about, you know, being a working mom and balancing it all. And I think that the key to that really is outsourcing and having amazing people. So I recently posted a big feminist blog on my Facebook, actually, about how important Father's Day is, because the the reality is having it all and being able to balance as a working mom really starts at home and starts with having the right partner. And I have a husband that is there doing a lot of the primary parenting and doing picking up a lot of the emotional and mental workload of a house, as well as the physical cooking and uh, taxiing and driving around the kids. So that for sure is um, absolutely core to being able to do it all. And of course, having an executive team at Amplify that are all active and supportive um, is also really, really important. And so I think being willing to delegate, outsource, I haven't done laundry in many, many, many years because I have someone that comes in and does it. And I haven't cooked for many, many years either. <laughs> so I don't try to do it all, actually. Um, I just make sure it all gets done. And so that's yeah, really yeah, you don't have to make it. You just make it happen. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, well, that's that's great. Sounds like you've got uh, a great team helping you and supporting you to get uh, get all these things accomplished. And not surprising that you're in the recruiting space and helping other companies build great teams and and do that. So yeah, that that's wonderful. Um, so let I with with the guests that we have, you know, we're, we're we have a lit audience of uh, CPAs and podcast, the Innovative Accountant Podcast. So I'm always interested in the guests that come on the podcast that are uh, CAs, CPAs, and kind of where that passion came from, wh wh where they started their career. So let's maybe take it back a, a number of years and just sort of what, what got you into that space to begin with? I understand you worked at Deloitte, PwC. What was the start of that? Yeah. So when I first went into school, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. I had an opportunity to live with a lawyer roommate uh, during one of my co-ops and saw his life and decided it wasn't the life for me. So I went full in on accounting at that point. I actually took a major in marketing and accounting, but I was too afraid to uh, rely on creativity and vision for my economic wellness. So I ditched marketing up until owning Amplify and fully embraced the world of accounting. And thankfully, I had the opportunity to work in co-ops and be part of PwC for, in the long run, it was ended up being 13 years. And 
having that level of support, they paid for my MPAC. They sent me to Bermuda. I had two babies while I was working there. Uh, I had a heart surgery. And so, you know, it's uh, it's an interesting dynamic when you get to be supported by such intelligent, amazing people and, and be part of a company that boosts you up and, and gives you a chance to do all the things that you want to do in your career. So, being a CPA and a CA is something I'm incredibly passionate about. We are a CPA Alberta a registered firm at Amplify. And I do, as you mentioned, spend a ton of time volunteering with CPA Canada and CPA Alberta as well. So if they call, I'll always give my time and effort because I think that the financial literacy and the financial health of our economy and of our people in our community is incredibly important. And CPAs have a real role in making a big, big difference. Yeah, for sure. No, that that's wonderful, Jamie. And I, you know, I was going to ask you the question of what you valued most from your experience with Deloitte and PwC, but I think you just nailed it. It's, uh, you know, a lot of those large organizations, you get such great experience, such great support, you know, hearing all the things that you were able to do and, you know, from having children to probably I did not realize you had a heart surgery, but um, I'm sure that they were supportive through that. And, uh and then it was the springboard for your career uh, working there. So let, let's let's talk about that step out. So moving from the big big firms, it's tough to leave some of those firms sometimes because of all those great things. What what was the what was the trigger for you to go out and start Amplify? Yeah, so there's not one straw that breaks the camel's back, as they say, right? So I could tell a lot yeah. of stories; they'd all be true. But the one I'd focus on today is that my business partner Jesse and I were at Deloitte. And we were doing some really incredible work and obviously really well trained and certainly learned everything we know about sales from the time that we spent at Deloitte. So insanely grateful for that opportunity. But what we were seeing is that the big four were not really targeting or um, in a position to assist the small and medium businesses. And so what we thought is, wow, the biggest employer in Canada, the the group that is making the biggest difference in terms of growing and employment is not served by this sophisticated level of financial strategy and automation and process and knowledge because it's just not scalable for a firm that's paying the highest rates of rent in every city in Canada um, and paying for the highest level of partners and CPAs to serve that market at a competitive price. So the reality is right. they don't. And so who is serving that market? Well, the reality is what we found is when it came to advisory and financial strategy, almost no one was serving that market. And those that were, were solopreneurs at the end of their career, which they do actually incredibly great work, but they're not scalable and they're not, um, they're not plenty. And then there was some, you know, not such great quality service providers. And that's what we were seeing our biggest employer of the country being served by. And it just felt like an unreasonable gap, but also an incredibly um, great purpose-driven opportunity for Jesse and I to build a company and to have a why and a purpose that, you know, that we could build values and client experience and direction around. So that's what drove us to start Amplify is that, you know, it, it just is a market that wasn't being served and we could bring that expertise to it. Yeah, good, good for you and, and, and having the foresight to see that. I know I, for my KPMG days, that was the challenge too, right? It was the same thing. You'd, you'd had the small business groups and sometimes they struggled because of charge rates and what was expected. And um, 
you know, I agree there is a, there, there has been a huge gap in that space. So, uh, fantastic that you've been able to step out and do very well in that. Um, but it's, it, it isn't always easy. Like we're able to look at businesses when they're successful and go, yeah, well, you've always been successful, but I'm sure as you started, there were some challenges early on, um, you know, you mentioned Jesse, like how you, your team, when you first started, you probably had a, a few of you. Yeah. So Jesse is my co-founder. And so to begin with, it was just yeah. the two of us. And, you know, some yeah. of the challenges were whether or not we would build an umbrella of contractors and approach the market without employees. But we quickly mm -hmm. realized that if we wanted our values to be front and center and our client experience to be a North Star, we actually did need to create a team that was employed and we needed to give that commitment back to our people. In addition, the contracts that we signed with clients, we were looking for an annuity revenue stream. And so we wanted annual contracts and commitments from clients and them knowing that we're not putting contractors on, but we're putting employees meant that we were, it was a commitment with a commitment and it allowed them to feel more confident, not to say that there's not um, going to be transition or retention within Amplify, but it's obviously reduced when we've made the commitment for employment as opposed to contractors. So that was one of the um, first original things. And I remember the first time we actually hired someone, I literally went to sleep and this person had a couple of kids and I, I could the kids were running through my head all night long because I'm like, oh, my goodness, I have to feed these children like I'm committing to an employee. And now that we're yeah. exceeding 40 employees, I can tell you that when I sign an employment contract, I no longer have daymares and, and nightmares about their children because <laughs> uh, I'm confident now. But at that time probably for the first 10 employees that we hired, I would literally be stressed about their families and their houses and their mortgages because it just felt like yeah. such a huge commitment when you start as a business yeah. owner. Thankfully, we've evolved and I've grown up, grown up from that. I still take every single employee very, very seriously as a commitment, but I don't, I don't fall asleep scared anymore. So that's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I love that comment. I think any entrepreneur that goes through that, you know, if they're going to be successful entrepreneurs, they have that, that, uh, that passion and compassion for the people that they're bringing on and, uh, and take it very seriously. So yeah, obviously, that's been a big part of your growth going from three, two to 40 in a very short period of time, you guys have done really well. Uh, let, let's talk. So there's lots of accounting competition out there and firms out there. We talked about some of the big firms. We talked about the gap you're in. How, how do you how does Amplify differentiate from those other CPAs and accountants and firms that are in the marketplace trying to serve that sort of mid to smaller market group? How have you differentiated yourself there? So we differentiate by client experience. And what we mean by client experience at Amplify is we really put the growth and the strategy of our clients front and center with everything we do. So the language that we use, the decisions we make, how we approach the quality of our work, the priorities of our work is all based on their growth and their strategy. And we put relationships and culture right in there with helping us deliver a great client experience. So unlike a lot of CPA firms that are really focused on accuracy or timeliness or quality, all of which are important and fabulous North Stars for them, ours is client experience and making sure that everything is anchored 
on that shared value proposition. So if we are able to get get them to where they've already said they want to go, then it's clear how we provide value. And so a quick example that I would give is, you know, if you we walk into clients all the time that are paying their payables, just to be really tactical, paying their invoices and payables every day. So an invoice comes in, they push the button and put it on their credit card or they send it to their bookkeeper and get it paid. And it's just a daily, no cadence, no cycle, no process, no automation. Almost every client we walk into is like that. And when you tell them, hey, we want to go on a biweekly or weekly payables process, um, if you say that and you use cost and time and efficiency with a business owner, you don't actually get buy-in because they start to be like, well, what am I paying for you? for then if you're worried about your time and and efficiency like they get their backup and they get defensive and they start worrying about fred like well no if fred gives me an invoice i want to pay fred right away you're going to hurt my relationships but if you turn that conversation around and you say hey you want to build a new business in edmonton and in order to do that we need to be able to forecast cash and give confidence to the bank of where our cash um management and position is and in order to forecast cash and to know where cash is we need to have some consistency with our invoice payments and our payables so we need to be able to forecast and plan and be able to and be able to give confidence to our banks and similarly our vendors are tired of calling us and chasing us so if we can tell them that we pay every second friday and that they're always in the queue and if they're not we'll make sure to inform them that saves them time and them headaches and them stress. So we're going to actually have a stronger relationship with Fred, not a weaker one. And when you tie mm-hmm. those confrontational, even if they're simple decisions, to the strategy and growth, this is all going to get us to that location in Edmonton. This is all going to help us let you achieve your goal. Business owners buy in immediately. And that's how we differentiate as CPAs because a lot of CPAs miss this magic opportunity Make it their idea by anchoring it to shared value and their strategy and their roadmap and their goals. And if you anchor it on that, you get buy-in immediately. So it's it's an easy, but it takes deliberate thought. And it's not necessarily the unconscious way that a CPA approaches decision-making and conversation. So just reminding all of our CFOs and even our tech people that are implementing ERPs, stop If the conversation's confrontational or difficult and you can't anchor it on the client's strategy and growth, either you're not ready or it's not necessary. Yeah, no, I love that. I think that, um, you know, we're going to talk about this in a little bit with CPAs and the training programs and, you know, your thoughts uh, in a little bit on, on that, but that's not natural for many, many CPAs, right? Like you, you have thinking about that client focus, the client values, you know, that alignment is uh, critically important. So good for you on that approach. Uh, you, You also have shared with me in our conversations over time here that you do do a lot of work with other CPA firms. So talk a little bit about that. A lot of your revenue comes from that. How do you work with other CPAs, other firms? Yeah, so we we're very humbled and appreciative of the CPA community. It's it's a very very important community with Amplify. So about sixty percent of our revenue comes from referrals from the CPA community. And what you'll see is a lot of the big four MNPs, the um, the bigger firms in town, 
when they are approached by an independence issue and they need to um, offer assistance or referrals for their clients, they will often give it, give Amplify a call or give Amplify an intro because they know that we have CFOs and CPAs that have been trained at the same level of expertise as them, right? So most of our people are big four trained, not all of them, but almost all of them are. And those that aren't have really incredible resumes and training as well. So they have the confidence that they can give our client, give the clients to us. And we would never, ever get into conflict with the services that they offer. So if we get a referral, we don't, we don't try and take yeah. services that are um, from the referral ever, obviously. And so we're very grateful that they trust us and they send work to us on a fairly consistent basis. Most of the CPA firms obviously don't do recruiting. So that's especially an area yeah. where they would send work. Um, oftentimes our consulting work, whether it's an IFRS memo or a business process, that would have a conflict with audit. So they would send that. Very few of them are in the NetSuite space. None of them are in the NetSuite space here in Western Canada. So they would send that. And the finance leader services, if they're if they're getting opportunities at the small, medium, and growth level, they generally don't provide services um, to those size companies, and or they're not able to get into management and executive. They're only providing it at an advisory level. So when they see that the client needs more, they'll send it. So we're really, really appreciative of the collaboration that we have with the CPA firms um, in Western Canada. It's really something that we're grateful for. Yeah, no, I, I love the, hearing those stories and that sort of abundance mindset that they're not feeling threatened that you're a competitor and they're willing to sort of work with other firms. That's, you know, with our integrated advisory piece, and we've talked a bit about that, Jamie, you know, that's an important strategy. Like we want to make sure that the profession is working with each other and uh, instead of against each other. So thank you for sharing that. And it leads naturally into the services that you provide. I, I mentioned some of them in the introduction, but I, if you wouldn't mind just kind of going through, you got finance leaders, leadership, um, recruiting. Let's, let's just talk about the service offering that you have at Amplify today and, and what you do there. Perfect. So we do not do audit and tax. So we're not uh, stepping on the toes of those CPA firms that we just discussed. What we do is finance leader services was our first strategic service line. And that is that fractional CFO services, financial leadership, fractional controller and accounting services. So we're going into growing businesses that need that executive that's 200 plus thousand payroll if they were to take them on permanent full time, but they can't afford that and they don't need 40 to 60 hours of that person's time, right? So we're giving them a practical way to get that level of expertise, but at a at a scalable time and cost. And so a lot of the clients that we work with, they're looking at financing, they need to start worrying about cash management, and they need to um, fine-tune their strategy and turn it into a financial strategy. So our CFOs have all been CFOs in the past. They're not new CFOs. They're not learning to be CFOs with us. We hire experienced executives that have had the title before and have done the work before. So these clients that we work with wouldn't have access to these people otherwise. They can't afford to put them on their payroll. Right. And to be honest, a lot of CPAs would consider our clients too risky for that to be um, how they feed their kids and bring money home, right? So uh, mm -hmm. they wouldn't necessarily mm -hmm. be willing to work exclusively for these clients either because of the risk tolerance that they each have personally. So mm -hmm. we're filling a gap in that services. We also do controller accounting services. So about half our clients, we are the entire finance and accounting department. They don't have any other 
um, people in their finance and accounting departments fully staffed by Amplify at the bookkeeper, controller, and CFO level. Um, and so that's the finance leader services. I'll talk about tech next because I know you want to focus on recruiting. Yeah, so well, tech yeah, is perfect. where we're an Oracle NetSuite partner. So we saw a big gap in the market. There was really no one providing implementation and licensing of NetSuite. And NetSuite is a cloud ERP. So clients that are at that scaling level that are ready to move off QuickBooks and Zero because of multi-regions, multi-currencies, uh, multi-products, services, et cetera, they're ready to get an enterprise system and they can use NetSuite. So we're really excited to be here in Western Canada offering that service from a relationship client experience perspective because no one else was doing it. So that's our yeah. tech department, yeah. which is the newest department. And then uh, consulting is not strategic. We only we really only do consulting projects for work that's sent by CPA firms, to be honest, and that's staffed oh. by various people from the other departments. It's not strategic. There's no leader of that department. And then uh, recruiting is our second strategic service line, but we had it from day one. And with that, we are placing CPAs in permanent positions and also in temporary positions. So we focus at the finance leader level primarily. And um, so that would be assistant controller, controller, director, VP, and CFO. And uh, we're very excited to be working with all size businesses. We still target and market towards growth businesses, but we do have um, contracts and contractors out with some of the biggest companies in town as well. And we absolutely can serve every size business within our recruiting department. Yeah, very, very cool. I, I love the gaps that you're, it's just very unique in how you've built your practice. You know, it's like you say, NetSuite and ERP, who's doing that and as an accounting firm today um, and being able to sort of go in and implement, um, adding the recruiting, I think is brilliant, especially as you try to leverage your CFO division. And there's probably a lot of crossover there. We'll talk about that in a minute, but you're, you're you know, to do all of that, you've obviously built a, a very capable team Talk a little bit about your team. You've got 40 people. You've got these various services. Uh, yeah, just fill us in on the team that you built. Awesome. So my area that I look after is client experience, which includes marketing, brand, communication, and ensuring that our values and culture and HR are up, up to speed. So that's my focus area as a co-founder. I'm also the leader of our finance leader services Within that finance leader services, we have about 10 CFOs, four controllers, and five bookkeeping accountants. So um, it's our biggest department when it comes to staff, for sure, and, and I take care of that department. Within that, I have an accounting services manager that helps me with all the tech. I've got an experienced manager that helps me look after the controllers, and I have a business development salesperson that does all of all of our sales work for us and does a really great job representing our brand in the market. Within tech, my business partner is um, is leading that. He's also our CFO and our CEO, um, which are pretty self-explanatory titles. The uh, tech division is obviously our newest division, so I probably spend 20, 25% helping because of the client experience side and the building of that division. He has a leader that's a senior business consultant who's also big four trained and a CPA that's helping navigate clients from a business and, and accounting perspective along with tech. We've had to hire people from Dubai that are experienced in that suite because they don't exist here. And so we're super excited mm -hmm. to have brought in 
senior NetSuite um, functional consultants, and then we hire young people in that department. So that's exciting and new, an opportunity to train and develop people, which we don't do in our other service lines right now, someday hopefully, but not right now. So this tech department is a, is a good team of five or so people. And then recruiting has an executive leader. So very, very lucky that we found an incredible leader that's part of our executive team. He runs the recruiting department and he has a staff of one assistant and then um, two recruiters. And so he went from one person as of September 2020, I believe we brought him on. And then he now is four people. So it's been a growing, growing um, business line and and very much um assists in giving us that cash flow and profit to build the rest of the business to be honest it's a it's a very important business we also have a cgo so a chief growth officer and so jordan is also on the executive and he is helping out tech because we're building it so that's our latest growth focus but he focuses also on our expansion plans because now that COVID is over cross your fingers that that's a true statement we are going to be looking at having a physical presence in other cities soon and so Jordan is um, tasked with figuring out how we're going to approach the other markets in a strategic way so a really incredible team and it is absolutely humbling to be surrounded by such epic um professionals like they challenge you every day um it's funny because we're a week away from our fourth uh fourth year anniversary and i was talking about the top 10 things that that surprised me and one and in there is definitely that we recruit and retain such amazing people like it's it makes it a joy to work every day and and building a brand that you can be proud of when you have incredible people it's not that hard (laughs) Right. It's not that hard to have a good brand when you have people like we have. It isn't. Yeah. Well, you know, for for you, you, it's it's leadership. Right. Like and I think people are attract quality. People are attracted to great leaders with vision and innovation and clearly in your business and you and Jesse and and getting this going and filling gaps in the marketplace and focusing your, as you say, your North star on client experience is obviously why you're building the team that you're building. So congratulations on that. It sounds like it's going very, very well and more, more to come. So um, yeah, the the natural segue, you mentioned COVID coming to an end and you know, it's definitely had a significant impact. So I'd like to sort of shift gears a little bit. Um, just talk about your experience. We'll, we'll leverage it on the recruiting side here a little bit. Talk about the great resignation. Um, there's been a ton of changes since COVID hit. Um, there's been some really big impacts on businesses and their people and employment. And I, I wanted to just um, sort of get your view on how that, especially as it relates to CPAs and that employment market for CPAs, how have you seen COVID sort of uh, impact that the most? Yeah, so I mean, obviously, there's a lot of talk about the great resignation. And to step back for a minute and just look at it from an actual Canadian and Western Canadian perspective, I think there's a few things worth pointing out. So obviously, everything you hear about the great resignation is true. Our recruiting team absolutely sees candidates that will not go to interviews for um, people that insist on fully back to office. They're looking for hybrid. It's uh, There's a lot of paradox because they don't want to necessarily work only from home, but they don't want to be forced to be at the office. Flexibility 
is key. So all of those things you're hearing about the Great Resignation are true right here in Calgary, right here in Western Canada. However, what makes Canadian situation unique is that if you look at the demographics, we also have a serious issue in terms of filling the pipeline where we have big, big retirements and, and really problems with our demographics. So we're also seeing a lot of people took early retirement or went out of the right. job market and they are not being replaced at a pace that's reasonable for with immigrant immigrants or with um, or with births. Right. So the Canadian situation is amplified and is different than what you hear in the media and the news. And you're not hearing enough about that demographic and Canadian side. And so what we see in the CPA world is absolutely true as well. In fact, it's it's a worse problem, if you want to call it, where, you know, we don't have enough immigrants coming in. We don't make the process easy enough for them to fill those roles and get the qualifications. Applications right. that they need and and there's not a pipeline of the young coming in so it is a real concern for employers um it's interesting i was at quebec city for a conference for eo just a week or so ago and every single uh, entrepreneur in the room basically put their hand up when asked if you could get the people could you triple your business and every business owner basically put up their hand saying they could so it's it, if they had the people, they could triple their business. And I think that's true within the departments of finance and accounting. If we had the people, we could do more. We could mm -hmm. help the growth yeah. and we could be more effective. And as CPA firms, we could as well. So it's definitely real. And COVID has, has um, sped it up by five to 10 years in, in a lot of ways, right? Because now people are demanding flexibility, demanding working from home, taking early retirements, um, maybe going part-time or whatever, all those things that they may have uh, slowly done anyways, it's all been put into this small, small window of a couple of years in the pandemic. So it's it's a very hard time to be an employer and business owner. So if that's people's feelings, they can, I mean, they can feel not alone. Misery, misery, misery and <laughs> yeah. company. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And we're yeah. seeing it a lot yeah. as well. Yeah, it, you know, I, it doesn't matter what business you're you're talking to today. It's all about people, it seems. Um, so hearing that, I, it, you know, that echoes, uh, you know, our experience and what we're seeing when we're having conversations. Well, what, so, so we got fewer people to choose from. Um, let's talk about the CPA profession and what are you know, in your view, are they doing enough to attract people to the program? Um, are they? giving those people enough of an experience that makes them want to continue to be, to look at CPA, the profession as a career. Are they giving them the right training today for them to be successful? What are, what are your views on that? And you, you've been involved with the Institute in a variety of different fashions, but yeah, what's your perspective there? Well, again, I mean, this is a tough question because I have nothing but love and respect for CPA Canada and mm -hmm. CPA Alberta, but um, you know, if there's things I could point out that could be of assistance or continuous improvement nature, not criticism, uh, because by yeah. and large, they're doing a great job. And I'm very proud of the institutes and what they do is my overall statement. But I think that one of the surprising um, stats, and I don't have the exact number handy, but, you know, the reality is most CFOs, which would probably be considered the top job of a CPA other than maybe a partner, most CFOs are not CPAs. We do not 
own the CFO profession. We do not even have the majority of seats in the CFO profession. And that, I think, is not well known for the CPAs and is not driving enough of the education and experience. Because if you're a kid deciding to be a CPA and you have the ultimate vision and the ultimate goal, I think in your head, it's probably CFO, maybe partner, right? And yet the reality is you're not on the road to CFO anymore than you would be if you made other choices. And I think that CPA should be developing a roadmap that makes it the clear path to CFO. And guess what? You can get off at controller, you can get off at director, you can have balance and maybe you skate um, competitively or maybe you have six kids, whatever, right? You can get off the road many places and have a great profession, a great career and a great life. But CPA should make that road to CFO one that's clear. And it's, mm-hmm. it's not right now. And, and yeah. I think that we are getting distracted by some other initiatives that that we can make a difference and that are important. But if it was me leading the charge, I would make the path to CFO more clear because CFAs and MBAs are eating our lunch. And and the reality is it's getting worse, not better. We don't have a clear path to the top job. And um, a lot of this, just a lot of these other paths, which are also incredible, but they're not as clear and they're not as concise like ESG and and other things that we're getting really mm-hmm, deep right. on. They're important, but if it was me leading, I would make it a clearer path to the CFO and make those other tangents a little bit less of a priority and just be clear. How do we get that job? How do we dominate that job? Yeah, th- thanks for sharing that. I, was, I wasn't even aware of that. I mean, that's kind of the assumption that you make as chartered accountants in the past is that, well, they're in the most senior roles. But you're right. These other programs have made some, some definitely uh, uh, strides in that regard. And our profession needs to continue to uh, evolve and change. Um, I know, you know, the, one of the good things they've done is allow articling to happen differently in different organizations. I know for example, the banks now have articling programs. You can article in businesses. Where in the past, a lot of that, unless you worked with a firm, uh, you know, and that's that partner track, you know, you you weren't necessarily seeing that direct connection. So it's good to see some changes in that regard. But as you say, there's likely more that can be done there. Um, I, I want to come back to uh, the pandemic again, and, and so we we talked about that that changed people. Do, do you feel that, you know, dealing with your business clients and your network, do you feel businesses were ready to deal with the pandemic and the impact on their people? They go, where, where did, in, in your, where, where did they kind of hit the mark? Where did they kind of get it right? Where did they sort of miss the mark? Yeah, they definitely overall were not. <laughs> Most were not. Um, and it depends on the situation in terms of the industry and the clients. But if we look at, you know, where people did great while others maybe did not would be some situations, for example, like business partnering. So the clients that had really great established relationships with their vendors and bankers and any strategic partner were much better equipped to handle the pandemic. And as a result, their employees were able to stay more employed and have less stress and anxiety in the terms of getting what they need to do quality work, right? So business partnering, those that had those relationships invested in their vendors and their bankers and their um, investors and really had relationship strategies and, and were set up to get the support they needed 
did so much better. So that and landlords, apps like landlords is another yeah. huge business partnering opportunity, right? Um, so mm-hmm. that was a big differentiator between clients that were able to thrive and provide a better employment experience and more steady employment, um, for sure. Another area is, you know, whether or not they were valuing flexibility and set up for flexibility, right? So there's many clients, like if you look at Amplify, when we got sent uh, away from our clients and we couldn't work at the clients anymore, we were fine because we were set up on the cloud or remote. It was not a challenge from a technology perspective at all. And we also had a culture and a, of flexibility that wasn't just like something that was in job postings and used for marketing. We truly have flexibility at Amplify. So it obviously assisted And the clients that also had it. That makes a big difference, right? So when you can confidently go pick up your kids between three and four because you're scared to put them in an after school program because then they'll be in a cohort that gets sent home for 10 days over and over and over again. When you can confidently leave your desk or leave your job between three and four to do that pickup and to give up your after school care, you're going to be a much more engaged employee and a much more productive employee versus those clients that either could not permit it and or there was a shadow over the people that did it. They they didn't retain those people, right? They just, it, right. the challenges between work and home were just too much to keep those people. And so, you know, you see from an overall perspective, well, in North America, for sure, maybe globally, and certainly here in Calgary and Western Canada, that, you know, there's a lot, there's the activists, all the different activists, um, momentums there's a lot of employment employee activism happening those are all symptoms of the fact that we weren't ready for the Mm -hmm. pandemic right and so that creates bitterness and angerness anger and a lack of uh psychological safety and as a result you're seeing consequences as well as the resignations but I don't know what's worse, losing people or having them become activists. It's not, it's a hard thing as a business owner to, to deal with either one. And we see a lot of it in our client base um, and in our, in our community. Right. And so they weren't ready. And um, there's, there's still opportunities though, to write the ship right now and to get on track and to use it as a learning and to really not to be cheesy, but to amplify your employment experience and to get to, get to a position where you are an employer of choice and that you're retaining the right people. So I think a lot of people are seeing that and doing some really incredibly creative things now. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that perspective. I, I think that, um, you know, it definitely accelerated that shift to the cloud online, which is good. I mean, a lot of businesses that weren't prepared did struggle with that. And I, I think they're much, much better positioned to be able to work that way. Um, but you know, the cultural, the cultural piece was really where we, we tended to see the gaps in businesses is that, yeah, maybe they were ready with technology and they could work remotely and they could, they had some flexible schedules, but how do you keep your culture going? You know, if you've got a culture of, of one-on-one and FaceTime and, and meeting with people and you're trying to replace that with teams and zoom meetings and things like that, what, what did, what did you learn in your experience of what's important to kind of maintain that culture in that remote environment? Yeah. So because Amplify is a remote work from client uh, culture anyways, and we were that before mm-hmm. COVID, I actually had articles and all kinds of things that I was writing and sharing with clients way before the pandemic. And, 
And then all of a sudden I became relevant that I cared about this, <laughs> which is kind of exciting, I guess. So there's three yeah. main things when it comes to a hybrid or remote uh, work environment that make a difference to culture and the clients that do it succeed and then and we see success at amplify as well so one is that in person in-person opportunities still have to be part of the plan so obviously if you're in legal lockdown you're not going to have those but in a normal world in-person opportunities need to be part of the plan so for example at amplify we tend to have one once a month an opportunity for people to get together in person and the diff and there's different uh, themes or objectives of that meeting or event. And so always giving opportunities to be in person, even though you're not an in-person culture is a key, is a key factor to success for building a remote culture. Second is using collaboration tools. So making sure that you have clear understanding of how you use Slack, how you use Teams, and make it motivating to be engaged and to truly use it, not just to, mm -hmm. you know, not just for efficiency, but for culture and for communication right. and for building relationships. So having a strategy with those collaboration tools like Slack and Teams and all the alternatives that is culture-based, communication and experience-based, not just productivity-based, is very important to having a remote culture that's successful and then the third is is over communication so when you have when you're running a remote team you have to communicate far more you have to repeat you have to use multiple mediums and you have to communicate at a level that is much more sophisticated and intentional and deliberate than you probably would have to if you're in person right so maybe you mm -hmm. raise something in your weekly team meeting you include it in your weekly newsletter and you shoot out a little uh, bullet on your team's collaboration tool as well, right? And that can feel incredibly uncomfortable, the duplication of efforts for a lot of leaders, especially CPA leaders. Like, why would right. I do something three times when I already did it once? The reality of communication is that you do have to use multiple mediums, yeah. multiple uh, voices to actually entice action and commitment. And in a remote world, that's even more important because you they're not seeing the role modeling, right? So they don't see you doing it, which is a form of communication that you don't know you're doing when you're in person. And so you've lost one. So you need to make up for that one. Plus you should add more yeah. because of the nat nature of, of remote. So strong, repeated over communication, a collaboration tool, and still having in-person opportunities are the three keys that we see clients um, succeed if they're if they're willing to invest in those they can have a great hybrid or remote uh, culture for sure I love that I, I love the simplicity of that Jamie and and helping people with a bit of a framework that's the first time I've kind of heard it put that way so thank you for uh, sharing that with our listeners um, you know, you talk about retirements and less people in the workforce. We've also got generational things that, that you're seeing. How is that coming into play with businesses and attracting people and their culture? What what things do we need to do differently because of the generational differences? Yeah, so I don't know if this is an answer to your question, but I want to make sure we talked about it today. So I'm going to sneak in there. Yeah. Sure. TPAs, hiring managers at, at all different types of industries, whether it's professional services or industry jobs, need to open their mind to different ages and different experiences if they actually want to build great teams. So where we see a real issue with our hiring managers is their willingness to hire overqualified people, actually. 
So we have candidates that maybe are choosing not to move to that next level. So yes, they could get a CFO job, undoubtedly. They could get a VP finance job. No question their resume um, allows for that. But they're looking to have maybe a manager or controller or a technical specialist role. And constantly you get this pushback from hiring managers that they're overqualified. And especially the CPA firms out there need to realize that people want jobs that they're so-called overqualified for because of the work-life flexibility and the work-life balance and objectives and goals that they might have in their life. So someone who's trying to be an active parent of three kids may absolutely value and be engaged and provide incredible experience at a job that on paper they're overqualified for. Similarly, in today's world, when people are putting exercise and self-care and sports and other priorities in their life as a priority, and they want to actually be able to commit and spend time on those things, they recognize that in order to do that, they have to sacrifice some career journey and some career path. And so you have an opportunity to hire someone who wants to be on a competitive hockey team or what have you, even though they're 45 years old, maybe you don't understand that, but the reality is they want that. And as a result of wanting that, they're willing to take a job that they are on paper overqualified for. And so if people could open their minds and actually be willing to hire people that are considered overqualified, their candidate pool opens up in a big, big way. And the old school attitude of, well, if I hire someone that's overqualified, they're going to expect to be promoted. They're going to expect a raise. They're going to jump ship within a year or two. That's not the reality of this great resignation. That's not the reality of the priorities that people have. They're not just up and out anymore. That's not the employee's perspective. That's your perspective. Right. Um, the other thing about, you know, the age generations and, and working together is, is recognizing that, you know, we don't use the word work life balance at Amplify because I don't know what your definition of balance is. And I grew up at big four firms. So, you know what? There are 60 hour work weeks every once in a while at Amplify. Granted, they're less right. than three weeks a year, but they do happen. I mean, if someone's doing a transaction or or some major business growth opportunity, you're going to have to work overtime. So I don't like work-life balance, but work-life flexibility is for sure real. And so the way that people need to to understand that is they need to not judge what priorities the individuals have, right? So you don't deserve work-life flex because you have a kid and then the next mark on the hierarchy is you have an aging parent. Like that's a very old school way of thinking is that if I believe your, your priorities are important, then I will give you work-life flex and punish you accordingly for getting it. Right. But today's world, you can't judge, like maybe they foster dogs. Maybe they just go hiking with their sister. It's really none of your business. And And you cannot be putting value propositions and you can't be doing unconscious bias or punishment for having people do that. And it's every generation and every age group that wants it now. But definitely the younger generation has, you know, a much less vision of one one path, one journey. Let's get to the top. That's not their view of the world. So we really do need to we don't need to understand it, but we have to be empathetic and create an environment that supports it. Yeah, no, I I love that. Um, Lots to unpack there for sure. But I I think the, uh, 
you know, one of the greatest gifts of the pandemic was to kind of create a bit of that reset for people to take a look at their priorities in their life and what's important to them. And I think that you've just echoed that, that, you know, people are thinking differently. They want different things, um, whether it's flexibility or balance. I even like that comparison that you drew, that that's, that's important and, and businesses need to respond and adapt to that. Um, I, I guess the question is, is what do you, and, and I think you said you're not seeing much of this, but the example of the cake and eat it too, where, you know, yeah, I want all of that, but I still want to get paid what I should get paid because of where I'm at. How are you seeing that play out in, in your business as you're attracting CPAs? Like is the expectation that people are going, you need to pay me more, you need to pay me more um, to do the same things I've always done. But now I also want flexibility and I want some of these other things. Is that what you're seeing play out in the market? Is that real? Is that not? Um, how, if it is, how are businesses responding to that? Yeah, so I would say that, okay, first, I don't want to discount the fact that compensation pressures are cross-industry, cross-size businesses, and certainly true within CPA firms and even Amplify. There's no question that inflation, it's at a 40-year record-breaking mark um, this morning. Now, granted, those companies that have more hybrid and more flexibility are helping their employees with expecting less gas usage, which is the biggest inflation issue that we're seeing mm -hmm. is gas pricing, but it's real. So compensation, it is absolutely vital to be transparent. And for most companies, the strategy needs to be competitive. And without question, when your budget season comes up and your annual raises come up, you will see bigger jumps um, if you want to stay competitive and stay at the same range that you are now. There's no question about that. That pressure is real. So we're seeing much higher demands from employees in our recruiting. The candidates want more, expect more, and they're getting it, right? Like at the yeah. at the lower yeah. levels that we deal with, we can place a person within two to three weeks, no problem, and easily match their expectations on base salaries. So that's all real. But to take your step another, you know, the last thing I would ever advise any business owner is to play whack-a-mole with salary and to start giving raises um, randomly. Because the reality is that even though we're in an incredibly unique, um, volatile market right now, the long-term studies of compensation is very clear that generally speaking, money alone does not keep great people. If you give the raise, yes, you'll keep them longer. For sure, you'll get an extra six or 12 months out of them, but you're not going to necessarily get further engagement. You're not going to get necessarily another two, three years. You're not, you're not going to have someone that's on a career path. Chances are, if the squeaky wheel gets the grease, it needs more grease or it leaves. <laughs> so yeah. playing whack-a-mole and trying to solve problems ad hoc without strategy and planning and without discipline is absolutely easy to want to do as a business owner. I've, I've a couple of times I've said to Jesse, we got to give raises. We got to give raises. And he's like, yeah. baby, no, that's not yeah. strategic. You would never advise a client to do that. Like settle down. Right. Yeah. And so um, yeah. we would definitely advised to be careful of having an emotional reaction to today's pressures. Now, if yeah. we go back to the solutions that we're talking about, I think a big part of the solution is really making sure that you're clearly talking about the value proposition that you provide your employees. So what is the employee mm -hmm. experience or the employee engagement or the full compensation that your employees get? And make sure that it's communicated, it's understood, 
and that you're putting it forward. And it's about transparency. Maybe they want something that they're not going to get here. Be very clear about that too. Don't just spout the great, but be clear about what you're not. So, you know, at at Amplify, for example, we have a Dolly Parton approach, which is kind of like being Sweden or Switzerland or whichever country it is that's neutral. We do not participate in activism. We do not participate in social justice um, and woke issues. We are very neutral. That's not cool right now. Silence is violence, right? So that's a that's an employee decision we're making that turns off some employees, but we're transparent and we're clear and we made the decision. So those that are going to turn off the wrong people should be clear too. And then you have to be clear on what your employee value proposition is. How are you investing in learning? How are you investing in flexibility? How are you investing in benefits? How, what is your purpose and why? What is the opportunity that the employees get to do every day that changes the world or changes their community. Keep that clear. What values do they live in order to accomplish that purpose and why? And what is their North Star? And if you can be very, very, very clear and repeat consistently, this is why we're here. Does this matter to you? This is how we do it. Do you want to live these values? This is our North Star and the priority and focus that gets us to where we want to go. And here's all the benefits and compensation in addition. You'll keep the right people. You'll lose some, but you'll keep the right people. But you can't you can't stop communicating that and pushing that forward so that the right people are validated and feel good about where they are, regardless of some of the minor details that might be happening with inflation or interest rates or whatever. They see the path, they see the purpose, they see why they're here. But you can't expect them to remember that if you're not constantly reminding mm-hmm. them and sharing and collaborating on it, right? And so I think yeah. that the clients that do that, that make it very clear that we contribute to the community this way and you're a big part of it and you make a difference because you're a part of us and we do this. Those people keep people regardless of a, of you know a couple thousand dollars on base salary. Yeah, love it. Love it. Very well said. Very well spoken on that, Jamie. And uh, lots of value there. Um, want to bring it back. He said, you know, the wrong people at one point. I just one of the questions I had is what, you know, what characteristic in your view, like when you're looking at CPAs today, what is the characteristic that's the hardest to find in a CPA when hiring an Amplify? Like what, what do you look for? Yeah. So the biggest thing I see and because I have a recruiting department, um, we don't often get filtered through them to me, but but between me and Ryan, what we see with CPAs is we meet some incredible VP finance director controllers. Like we're talking intelligent, I mean, intimidatingly intelligent CPAs that could do anything that's listed on the CPA competency map and do it efficiently and effectively and well. And that is amazing. And we have a lot of uh, clients that can use those incredible employees. But that does not make you a CFO. What makes you a CFO is understanding strategy and business. And there is very few, very few CPAs I meet that have a good concept of business and strategy. And so, you know, I know you're going to talk later about how CPA firms can build a CFO services. And one of the big differences is recognizing that a CFO is a member of an executive that leads financial strategy. They are first a business person 
and then they are financial, right? They're not financial and then business. And as we spoke about earlier, they may or may not be a CPA at all. They may or may not be an accountant at all. Most CFOs are not accountants. Most Mm -hmm. um, are held by non-CPAs. So that is the biggest thing that we see when when we're trying to hire that CFO. And so the business side, the strategy side is missing for most candidates that think they're ready to be CFOs. They haven't invested in themselves. They haven't read the books. They haven't done the training. They haven't had the opportunity or experience. So they've not ventured into the business and strategy side, but they've mastered the financial and they're incredible incredible Mm -hmm. CPAs, but they don't have that next level. And then if you take it one level further is that client experience where they're willing to look at growth and strategy and goals as the North, like the North star, the client experience deliverable that we're focused on. So even those that have strategy in business, they can often be very cost focused or business focused or kind right. of the no man. And so they see their executive seat as being the devil's advocate or the voice of reason. And that is not inspiring or motivational no. or aligned with our client experience. There's a place to be the devil's advocate. There's a place to talk about costs, but if that is your value proposition, you're not going to fit at Amplify. Right. So, so some emotional intelligence, a little bit of entrepreneurial mindset mixed in there. Yeah. And then those are things, you know, we talked about the profession and, you know, I know they're working hard, as you say, to have the competency mapped, well laid out. But I, but I also believe that some of these other, some of them are softer skills. Some of them are, you know, evolving to more strategic planning and, and advisory capabilities as part of that, I think is a, is a good evolution for the profession. So yeah, great perspective on that. And, and you mentioned CFO services. So let's just wrap up sort of this section on that. Um, you know, you've, you've had a, I, I, I deal with other firms that have tried to do CFO services. They haven't done it the way you've done it. Um, you've been very successful in that space. What were some of the biggest challenges and opportunities that you can share with our listeners? And if, you know, if they're thinking about getting into the CFO services space, what are, what are some of those learnings, challenges, opportunities? How do, how do you see that? Yeah. So I think that, you know, when I advise other CPA firms about how they might venture into CFO services, the number one thing they need to realize is, is that they need to hire actual CFOs. So if your intention is to find something for your audit partner or tax partner to do when they're not busy doing audit and tax, that is not going to generally resonate with the market because an audit partner knows, you know, Aspie and I for us in a way that's deep and complicated and you know, all the respect and power to them. And nowadays, <laughs> the methodologies of audit and the compliance, like I can't even venture to guess how complicated their job is. That does not make them a business person. That does not make them a strategist. It does not make them um, an executive level that can help a business grow. That is just two different right. skill sets. Not, right. not in any way implying that one is more important or more valuable than the other, but they They very, very rarely have anything to do with each other. And to suggest that you can step into being a CFO when your background is audit and exact same thing for tax. I mean, God forbid the tax act is even more complicated. So just as much, probably more intimidation, respect for them because I've never been in tax. Um, It's not that one's more important or one's more complicated or one's more sophisticated, but it's ridiculous to think that you can jump into the CFO job, just like you would think it's ridiculous if a 
if a 20 year CFO decided to be a tax partner tomorrow. That's crazy. Right. So it goes right. both ways. So if you're not at a yeah. tax partner, you do not have the experience in business and strategy to be a CFO. And that right. probably is hard to hear. And it's not the truth that you believe to be true, but it is it is the truth when you start at, when you start operating with businesses, they will see through it, even if you don't. Second yeah. is most C CPA firms will try and have a leverage model. So they're putting junior and young CPAs in to be CFOs. CFOs are not brand new, young, eat them up, yeah. spit them out type of executives, yeah. right? Clients see through that. The CFOs, mm -hmm. when you're doing fractional or CFO services, you're dealing with clients that are entrepreneur, they're visionary, they're high risk. You need someone in there that can challenge them in a way that's respectful with credibility, and they have to be able to do it using business language, not accounting language. So if you try and put a kid in, that's not going to work and the client's going to see through it. And so the majority of CPA firms that I meet that have not been successful with CFO services have tried to do one of one or the other. They either put incredible professional partners in as CFOs or they put kids in as CFOs. If you want to build a CFO services department, you need to do one of two things. You either need to hire actual CFOs to deliver CFO services which is expensive. It's very expensive, but it is a value proposition and you can put a margin on it and it works. That's what we've done. Yeah. Or yeah, you perfect. can build an, a sophisticated, complicated development program. That's actually what Deloitte Business Process Services um, that Jesse and I looked at bringing to Canada when we were at Deloitte. That's what they do. That's an international right. department of Deloitte. You can build a very, very complex, basically the equivalent of a university and you're developing people into CFOs and you shadow. Yeah. And so you have an experienced CFO and then a junior shadowing. And then then you have a cheaper route to CFOs that end up with both experienced shadowing and academic academic um, opportunity and development. And then then you can have a much more cheaper, scalable solution but that takes years and years to get there right yeah. certainly yeah. it's possibly on amplifies roadmap but not in the net not in our three to five year um yeah horizon yeah. to be honest yeah yeah no that's uh very valuable advice and makes complete sense to me um you know trying to fit something like that in during your day job and between the hours of six and midnight is not the answer as a accounting partner and uh you know, I've even seen that example where they're trying to use more junior people. They think they've got the capabilities. And I would agree with you that it, it is an experience based uh, role that you're trying to fill. And you can cause a lot of damage in businesses if you're not good at what you're doing. So fantastic advice. Uh, let's shift gears here. I just I want to like every guest, I always ask if they're reading any cool books or they've got any interesting apps they're using or, you know, anything that you've come across or that you're reading these days that you're finding interesting that you'd like to share. Yeah. So we're uh, Jesse and I are big believers in not all readers are leaders, but all leaders are readers. And so, right. you know, when we talk, often we say to ourselves, what is one of the biggest differences? What's actually helped us become business owners and to do it, at, to build something at a relatively quick pace? Most people think we built Amplify quickly. I don't know if I always agree with that, um, but, you know, we're at 40 people and, and you know, well over 5 million in revenue and, and serving 70 clients So in four years. So kind of 
kind of fast. And it is reading. So I appreciate that question. We have a book club at Amplify as well. It's optional, but it's one of the ways we offer an in-person team event too. So the book club at Amplify today is actually the four-hour work week. It's a classic. Um, we vote on the book and uh, enough people had not read it that we voted to do the four-hour work week by Tim yeah. Ferriss. It's, it is yeah. a classic. You got to read the most recent version because he's updated it from a technology okay. perspective. If you read the original, it, there's lots of out-of-date um, components, but I think it's yeah, a yeah. it's a very good mind shift, especially for CPAs. It's certainly not aligned with how we've been trained or or our 100%. careers. So I think that's a that's a good book that we have as our book club choice today. Um, I recently have been reading and listening to nonviolent communication. So this week we actually have an executive leadership team code of conduct session so that we can work more effectively together instead of attacking each other. Um, I know mm -hmm. your audience would be surprised, but we have a lot of alphas on our team. So sometimes we spend a lot of time challenging each Debating. other. Way too many yeah. eights, if you're familiar with Enneagram. <laughs> so yeah. nonviolent communication is a way to communicate in a way that is um, structured with a methodology and allows you to walk in the other people's shoes and be clear and not get personal or feel attacked or feel criticism. So we're and sorry, that, that. that's a book. Nonviolent communication, communication is a book. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So yeah. that's uh, that's one that I've been revisiting so that I'm ready, ready for this code of conduct session that we're doing. Um, awesome. I'm a big reader. I love reading. I always often I always read nonfiction, brainless as well. So um, it's actually one of my favorite things to do. I'm an extrovert, but I am definitely a reader. And any vacation yeah. that I don't get through three to five books is not a great vacation. <laughs> awesome. Love it. Uh, thank you for sharing those. I'm definitely going to check them out. Uh, I, the four hour one I've read, but it, I, it was the old version. So I'd like to dust off the new one and, uh, and then definitely check, check out the nonviolent or nonviolent communication. Was that it? Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. And my favorite so, business um, book, I can't stop without saying never eat, never eat alone is, um, I can't remember the author's name, but Never Eat Alone is my favorite business book. So. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, and wrapping up, Jamie, um, resources, uh, connecting with you. Um, what, 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 what can you offer to our listeners? You know, if they want to learn more about recruiting or CFO services or what you do at Amplify, what, what can you offer to them? So the best thing to do is to go to our website, amplifyadvisors.ca. On there, you'll see our blog. We have a ton of content. So really excited if you want to read a little bit more about everything we talked about. We also have AHA with Amplify. So the third Tuesday of every month, other than July, August, and December, we have a webinar and we have really incredible guests and we speak about all kinds of topics that are important to CPAs and business leaders. So all of your audience would gain from AHA with Amplify and that's on the website. You can find that page there too. Um, on the page, you can also look for our newsletter. We send the newsletter every week. This month, we're finishing up. Consistency was the theme. Next month is startup because we're about to celebrate our fourth year anniversary. So we have blogs of we blog every single week of becoming an entrepreneur. And so we're resharing that and doing a startup theme for July. So there's always a theme. There's always something going on. Come to our website to get connected. I share way too much on LinkedIn. So be sure to look for me. I'm Jamie L. Smith, CPA. And so that will get you connected to our blogs, our newsletters, and our thought leadership too. So 
would love to see some of your audience connect. So again, you have to put the L, Jamie L. Smith, CPA, because uh, there's a zillion of me otherwise out there. Smith, yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jamie, for your time today. I loved our conversation. I think that you shared so much content and value to our listeners today. Such a timely conversation. And again, I just want to thank you so much for joining our podcast. Well, thanks for having me. I really love what you're doing as well, Tim. You're changing the CPA profession with the insurance and wealth component. And we've had opportunities to refer you both to clients and to friendly CPA firms that we love and think you're doing a great job. And I hope uh, I hope that there's a big appetite to get that important work into the CPA firms. Yeah, thank you so much, Jamie, for that. I appreciate that. And on that note, that ends this edition of the Innovative Accountant Podcast. Thank you so much. And I hope you enjoyed listening uh, to Jamie Smith and uh, spending time with us today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Innovative Accountant Podcast. We hope you enjoy the show and even learn something new. If you're interested in elevating your firm and transforming your client experience to create sustainable firm growth, get in touch with us by visiting integratedadvisory.ca to set up your free call with one of our integrated advisory experts. Visit integratedadvisory.ca today to set up your free call with an integrated advisory expert. Be sure to subscribe to the Innovative Accountant Podcast so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in for the next episode of the Innovative Accountant Podcast. Production of the podcast is by At Heart Creative and can be found online at atheartcreative.com.